So when Pastor JP invited me to stand up on this last of this series we're in, the I Am's, I was delighted at first. I was delighted because I love the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I uh, love the I Am sayings that John included in his Gospel. And also, I love chapter 14. It's a fabulous chapter. I like to quote it, and you, you recognize the first verse, I'm sure, when you'll see it. So, at first I was delighted, and I thought, but wait. This chapter, in fact, the verse that we're looking at today is um, one of the most criticized verses in our culture all around us. Oh, you believe that verse? You must be bigoted. That's what people around us often think. Now, not all around the world, but in certain cultures, oh, you believe that? So, yeah, that's the verse we're looking at today. But Jesus said what Jesus said. But he said it in a way that should engage us, should uh, make us excited, and should inform us how to be in our culture. So, I'm still excited about today. And to share with you these thoughts from John chapter 14. Now, um, before we get started, just in case you have to leave early, you get a phone call and you have to leave. If, if I could say the whole message in just five words, if I could put this in a big, bold heading, like on a newspaper, I, five words, and the initials are B, 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 N, B. And you might be wondering, what is that? The Better Business Bureau of New Brunswick? <laughs> no? Uh, Barstow's Best Bed and Breakfast? <laughs> of course not. Uh, this is what Jesus was telling his disciples in the upper room. You need to be this way. You can do it. It was, uh, let's see, uh, about a couple months earlier, he had told them, I will build my church. And nobody who heard him say that thought he was talking about buildings like this. They knew he was talking about people. I will build my followers. I will have people all around the world who will be a kingdom of priests and will influence this world. Uh, so here we are now, a few months later, the day before he will be crucified. We're in the upper room. Everyone's nervous. And he begins to speak these words in chapter 14. I hope you're turning in there in your Bible. In fact, why don't you grab the church Bible that's right in front of you and turn to John chapter 14. It's page 1,675. It has this famous verse in it. And I wonder if you know what verse I'm talking about. That's where he says, I am the way. And when we say that verse to our culture, sometimes they say, oh, you think you're the only ones. You think, what, what about all those people who never heard about Jesus? And so on and so forth. So... We have to be like 
those disciples were and learn from Jesus, not just what he said, but how he said it and why he said it and what he's calling us to be. So what I want to tell you today from John chapter 14 is what Jesus was telling them. So the first two letters stand for this. Be bold. We have to be bold. This is our day. This is our time. This is our opportunity to speak up for our Savior Jesus. Be bold. And some of you, frankly, uh, are not very bold. And you might say, well, that's not my personality style. I'm not talking about personality style. Whatever your personality style is, you still need to be sure of what you believe and who Jesus is. And we're, we're going to talk about those things today. Now, on the other hand, there are some people here today who have the kind of personality style. And when you say, be bold, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm going to like this message. Well, there's two halves to it. The first half is be bold. But the second half is also a reminder. Be bold, but not bigoted. You can't be so self-centered. You actually can't be so sure of yourself that you're offensive to other people. Now, being sure of your faith is one thing. But how about if we just dive into the scripture and read what Jesus said. Now, it goes on chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. They're all a part of a unit. But let us begin with these words. I just quoted it the other day in the rest home. Chapter 1 of verse 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And I want to pause just long enough to say, I did some extra research on that verb, troubled. Don't be troubled. And I think I can just describe, actually uh, show you the basic uh, features of that word. Here's a two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. Imagine that you are inside this bottle. The word being troubled is this. <laughs> being shaken up so much. Can you imagine being, if this is your world and you're inside of it and just how tossed around you are. That's the way the disciples would soon feel. So if you're in this bottle and it's being shaken, even the song we said, I will not be shaken. What makes that difference? Actually, if I set this right here, by the way, no one opened this bottle. <laughs> but what if, what if it's not that you are in the bottle, but the bottle is in you? Because some of you are sitting here today just as calm as can be. But you know, there's stuff building up inside of you. And someone just twists that cap a little bit and you explode. So this is for you too. Whatever your personality style, whether you're outspoken or introverted, Jesus uses everyone. But what he was telling his disciples in that room what they need to do is what we need to do. We need to be bold, but not bigoted. John chapter 14, the first 11 verses. Do not 
let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house, Jesus said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way. I'm the way and the truth and the life. By the way, we were at Ikea the other day. And uh, you know, it's easy to get lost in Ikea. We were down in the downstairs part where you start picking up things and you realize we don't have a basket. So I'll go back. I think, I don't, I think they're right by when you first come downstairs. I couldn't really even remember. So I made one of those shortcuts through Ikea that I thought was heading in the right way. I got turned around real quick. But a guy with one of those vests came by and said, hey, can you point me to where the baskets are, the carts? Oh, yeah. He said, follow me. I like it when people say, follow me. In fact, he went in exactly the opposite way I thought he should go. But he led me right to them. Now, this is what I hear Jesus saying. I, I love it when people do that in the store. Don't say, well, it's over there. Go that way. Just follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. Lord, we don't know the way. I am the way. Just follow me. I'm the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, if you really know me, you will know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said, well, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He's saying, look, it might be hard to believe. I've been with you all this time. I've done miracles. The greatest miracle was about to happen. A few days, the next day, he would be crucified. And three, on the third day, he was risen again. Now, he's the guy who's going to take us where you want to go, to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way. But we are the ones who carry that message. And we have to get this straight. Just like he told his disciples on that night and as he told them to go into all nations. Be bold. Not bigoted. Bold. So I have a few suggestions for you. Seven, actually. The first four, these will help you be bold. The last three will keep you from being bigoted. All right? Let's jot a few of these down. Number one. 
If you're going to be bold, first of all, we have to, this is essential, we have to be filled with the Spirit. Now, by the way, today is the day of Pentecost that celebrates when the Spirit came and indwelled the believers. And, you know, we could go all day long on the theology of the Holy Spirit as we're given in the Bible. But I'm just saying, being filled is something you have to keep on doing over and over. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Being filled means the Spirit is controlling you. You might be a Christian, but if the Spirit's not controlling you and you're doing your own thing, you're not going to be bold and you just might be bigoted. So this is essential. And we celebrate Pentecost because on the first day when Peter and the others were filled with the Spirit, God came in power. And the church started with thousands of members. But you have to keep on being filled. If you drove a new car to church today and you went out and it wouldn't start and you said, what's wrong with my car? My new car won't start. And we looked inside and the gas tank was empty. We'd say, the gas tank is empty. Well, it was full when I bought it. Okay, everyone knows you have to keep on filling it. And the Bible tells us to keep on being filled with the spirit. Number two. You have to be confident about the Bible. Confident about the Bible. That it's trustworthy, that it tells us the things we need to know, that God was able to write, have people write down the things that would, uh, for all time, be useful and helpful for us to live our lives and to understand eternity, to be confident about the Bible. And uh, recently, I read a book that really helped uh, encourage my confidence. I would suggest it to you, but there's all kinds of resources. This particular book was called The Book That Made Your World, written by a man from India who did a fantastic job of saying, you know, the reason why we have science the way we have science now is because people long ago believed the Bible. The reason why we have learning institutions and education is because people believe the Bible. Some of the hospitals that we go to today are there because of people who believe the Bible. Some of the music that we enjoy is there because people have believed, the, believed in the Bible. So you've got to get your confidence back. And there's many resources. This is just one of them. In fact, this book talks about another one called Fire in the Hills. And it's a story about another man who was born in India. Actually, as a kid, he belonged to a tribe of people who were headhunters, killed others. But his granddaddy had heard the gospel and believed that one of his children, actually his grandson, would translate the Bible into their language. And it has made such an impact, not only on that group of people, but so many others. Now, I just give you these as resources to remind you. The Bible is the most published book in the world. If you write a book and it sells a million copies, that's a bestseller. Do you know how many millions of copies the Bible has been, how many times the Bible has been copied? We don't even know. It's in the billions. And it's revered around the world. There might be some people around you who say, oh, do you still believe that book? Yes, and billions of other people do too. You've got to have confidence 
in the Bible. Number three, in order to do what God's telling us to do, to be bold, you have to be aware of the church. Capital letter T, capital letter C, the church. I'm not talking about, oh, some little church down the way that no one's attending anymore. People say, oh, you still read the Bible? You still believe in God? Uh, people still go to that church? The church is growing. When Jesus died on the cross, there were zero Christians. Fifty days later, there were already thousands. Today, I mean, do you realize this? You have to be aware it is the most populous faith on the planet. One out of every three people on the planet call themselves followers of Christ. 33% of the world population. Google it. We have to keep that in mind. It's also the most persecuted faith on the earth. And we should be aware of our brothers and sisters who are struggling with this. Um, uh, to be sure, yes, there are many Muslims in the world too. They are almost 25% of the world population. So the church is growing. By the way, do you know the size of the largest church in the world? It's in South Korea. Their membership is now 800,000. 800, almost a million people in one congregation. Do you need to know this? We sometimes have such a narrow view of the church, we forget just how wondrous God's church is. Be filled with the Spirit. Be confident about the Bible. Be aware of the church. Recently, Linda and I, and Doug McCarty too, we went to a conference and heard a number of speakers, apologists, to, uh, giving good answers to people's questions. One of them was a man named Abdu Murray. He's interesting for a couple reasons. And in fact, I think I have a couple pictures of his book, don't I? Yeah, there it is. Grand Central Question. Answering the critical concerns of the major worldviews. Does a great job. Uh, he has a second one. Did I put that picture up there? Several others. This is Abdu Murray. Finding meaning and clarity in a post-truth world. Anyway, he's particularly interesting because number one, he's a lawyer. Number two, he grew up in a Muslim family, but he came to Christ because of the evidence. So again, uh, avail yourselves of these opportunities to be confident of the Bible, be aware of the church, be filled with the spirit. And here's the most important thing, number four. Be clear about Jesus. <laughs> There might be a lot of things I don't understand. There might be a lot of questions I can't answer. But about 2,000 years ago, a real historical person claimed to be from heaven, claimed to be God. And he said, I am this. I am that. I am the way. That person was, was uh, killed on the cross. But he had said, I'm going to come back. And he did. This is a well-attested historical fact. It's as factual as many of the other things we have from that period of time. You can trust it. You need to know this. This is what Jesus claimed, and he's done it. And he's expecting you now to be bold for him. One of my favorite books that I've read just in the last year or two is by Dr. Hugh Ross. He also was at this conference. He's written this book called 
always be ready. Always be ready to give an answer. And just in summary of these first four points, be filled with the Spirit. Be confident about the Bible. Be aware of the church. Be clear about Jesus. He uh, tells the story. This is Dr. Hugh Ross, who is it? Well, let me just read the story. I, um, I waited to board a packed flight to Seattle, and I got the news, will Hugh Ross come to the stand, please? Oh, no. He said, I'm being bumped. Well, yes, he was being bumped. Not off the plane. He says, I always buy the cheapest tickets. He wasn't being bumped off the plane. He was being bumped up the first class because someone else wanted to sit together, and so they got moved up. He was in seat 2A. And two, he was in seat 2B. In 2A, a German man sat next to him with a uh, thick German accent. He says, I never get to fly first class, but Microsoft bought my ticket. Really, do you work for Microsoft? Well, only as a consultant, he said. And then he introduced himself as a quantum physicist and an atheist. So I told him, well, I'm a Canadian astrophysicist and a Christian. And they both thought, oh, this is going to be a good flight. <laughs> so after takeoff, his questions began, one after another. Well, if your Christian God wanted humans, why would the universe be so vast? And then his next question was, why would it be so old? And then, why so dark? Why so entropic? And over the course of our two-hour flight, we discussed all kinds of things, including... From my perspective, he says, why the universe had to be exactly this way from science. Well, near the end of the flight, the guy said, I have one more question. How are you so prepared to answer all these questions I've been bombarding you with? You with? He said, well, actually, these questions are so common, I actually wrote a book about them, and they're the exact questions you're asking. He took out a copy of the book and handed it to him. The guy was amazed. There are my questions. There's the chapter headings of this book. As they walked to get their luggage, they both said, what are the chances that an atheist from Germany and a Christian astrophysicist from Canada would be bumped up to the same seat next to each other talking about the God who cares for you. Well, when you think about it, you're going to have those opportunities too. But are you ready for them? Will you be bold when it's your turn? Will you be clear about Jesus and, and clear about the church and confident in the Bible? And when you're that confident, will you also be sure not to be bigoted? Let me give you three important things to remember to make sure we don't ever become hateful of other people. So this is the uh, first one on the bottom list. I need to say to myself, I am a chief of all sinners. Now, Paul said he was the chief. All right, we'll let him take that, although actually he was a wonderful man. But he knew himself. He knew inside of himself what he had done. And I know that about me. And you should know that about you. I've sinned. And when I look at other people, I think how bad they are. Just stop and think, wait a minute. Knowing the advantages I've had, knowing all the blessings I've had, I've been a sinner. Don't ever forget that. I am a chief 
of sinners. You are too, aren't you? That keeps us humble. That keeps us humble. And here's the second thing. I can't convert anybody. It's not my job to try to knock someone down with my answer. It's not my job to try to yell them into the kingdom. It's not my job to convert anyone. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. It is my job, though, to be bold and not bigoted, to be frank about what God has done for me. I remember talking to uh, one of our missionaries. And I said, now, wait a minute, isn't it illegal in the country where you're serving to convert people to Christianity? Well, of course it's illegal. Well, how do you do your job as a missionary? I don't convert anybody, he said. I just share my faith with people. The Holy Spirit has to do the conversion. See, that should give you confidence, but keep you in your place. We're just servants. We're just being politely boldly, respectfully, lovingly, sharing what we know. Now, I might not know everything, but there's a few things I know. And one thing I have to keep in mind, and this is the last one. Um, that person that disgusts you and I didn't put that word in there, but that person, that's the one I'm talking about. You know, we do have these visceral reactions sometimes, don't we? Oh, that guy's driving like a maniac on a freeway. What an idiot. That's disgusting. Or that person who would wear such a thing or say such a thing or do such a thing. Oh. So I don't know what that is for you, but um, <laughs> I was watching the news the other night. And they showed a picture of a guy. I thought it was kind of funny, actually. But then when it went from the picture to the newscaster, he said, that's disgusting. I thought it was so funny I would show you. All right. Evidently, there's a guy who is uh, really into tattoos, really into Star Wars. So he has like these Star Wars tattoos all over him. People saying, dude, man, you like you got too many Star Wars tattoos. So he just decided he was going to outdo them all. So on his entire back, he had a huge tattoo put up Jar Jar Binks. Here it is. There you got it. <laughs> so whatever you think of that, the commentator said, that's disgusting. What I'm saying is, all right, take that picture off the screen, please. Take that picture out of your mind. Just put in your mind, okay, you know there are times when you think, oh, those people. But that person is deeply loved by God. God loves them. Whatever is that thing that you think is so disgusting, God thinks, I'm in love with this person. Uh, in that same book that I showed you, Hugh Ross talks about... Um, saying yes to an invitation to speak on a radio station. When he went back and told his staff at Reasons to Believe, it's reasons.org. I should have put that on the back side of the outline where I have a lot of these resources, reasons.org. When he said, yeah, I'm going to be on this radio station, you're going to interview me. Oh, not that one. That's like the shock jock radio station. Well, if they want to hear my testimony, I'll give it. So he tells this story in his book. He showed up this place. It's all locked down. You had to get through a security guard. They let him in the building and put him in the green room. You know, that's where you wait until it's your turn to go on the show. And in the green room, he said, it's disgusting. It's just uh, 
pornography all over the place. They had the show on the air blaring into the green room. I was the only one in there, he said. It was so loud I couldn't concentrate. And it's the most vile, repulsive radio show you could ever imagine. He said, I tried to turn it down. I tried to find someone to help me. I just had to wait. He said, it was for an hour. I waited in that disgusting place for an hour. I had to put tissues in my ears, he said. But finally, the time came for him to go on air to be uh, interviewed by these four radio hosts that are vile. And when the producer opened the door, says, it's your first of all, I said, oh, you're still here. You're the first Christian to pass our test. Everyone else has left. Oh, so they're testing me. And then when he went on air, they said, well, you're the first Christian we've ever interviewed. What do you think of what we're saying? He said, well, I really think you guys are trying too hard to be disgusting. I think you're smarter than that. No, 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 no. What do you think about how we disagree with the Bible, they said. He tells a story in his book. He says, well, if that's what the Bible said, I would agree with you. But what you're giving is an improper view of the Bible. And he went on and just answered their questions. Now, here's one of the things I'm trying to say. One of those four disgusting radio hosts said, well, eventually said, well, I'm a Christian too. It's just, I didn't know all these answers. The others wanted a copy of Hugh Ross's books. <laughs> so I don't know if I made a difference that day, but I know I stood up for what I believe in. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. I'm not saying to go out and be an idiot. I'm not saying to hate people. I'm not saying to be spiteful. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, all along, he's, from the day of Pentecost, there were people from all over the world. They were speaking to Jews and Gentiles and Romans and Samaritans. Tell them, I am the way. And you can do that. We have to do this. It's our turn. This is our world to be bold but not bigoted. Can I give you one more example? Actually, Rex, why don't you come to the piano? I think the band is here. Let's get it back up to the stage. This is the last thing I want to say. And while they're getting ready, you know, uh, I was recently at a wedding. Linda and I went to a wedding. It was lovely. The ceremony was nice. The food was wonderful. Uh, the reception was great. And then there was the dancing. All right. Most of you know, I'm an introvert. When it comes to the dance floor, like, oh, all right, where can I hide? You know, in fact, I was thinking at this, uh, all the people out there dancing, and I'm thinking, I would much rather be playing the music than dancing to it. You know, give me a bass guitar to hide behind, and I'm happy. But uh, so I avoided it as long as I could. But then they got to that point where they said, all right, all you married couples, come out onto the dance floor. And they go, oh, I kind of, you know, Linda's pretty good. It's just that I'm so introverted. So eventually, you know, this is the dance where they get everyone out there. Now, if you've been married 10 years, uh, of all those who have been married 10 years or more, stay on the dance floor. We hadn't even got out there yet. I'm still dragging. 
All those have been married 20 years or more, stay out on the dance floor. So we finally got out there. All those have been married 30 years, and by the crowd's getting smaller, but there's still a bunch of people, and so I take my wife in my arms. I don't think we had made even one complete revolution before the DJ said, all those who have been married 40 years or more, stay on the dance floor. Look around. Everyone's gone. Ah, my fear. And here's our couple of been how long? 43 years. Yay! And I'm thinking, do I win a prize? <laughs> and then I thought, the prize is already in my arms. Oh. And and then I thought, I'm sure glad I got out on the dance floor. Don't miss this dance. You, church, you are the bride of Christ. He wants you out there. Be bold, not a bigot, someone who loves people and invites them and, and locked in with Jesus and full of the Spirit. Hey, hey, that's you. Don't sit out this one. Get out on the dance floor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, we don't know everything, but we know, Jesus, you died for us and rose again. And we know you love everyone. Give us that boldness. Give us that loving presence, just like Jesus had, to love everyone and invite everyone. May we boldly reach our world, our generation, our city with the good news of Jesus. You're the God of the city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to this hopeless. You're the peace to the Greater things are still to be done in the city. Amen? Yeah. And we recognize that God is the God of the city. He's the God of these people. He's the God of the nations. He's the God of the whole world. And we have the opportunity to be ambassadors for him. If we remember five letters, to be bold, but not bigoted. We are so excited to be able to worship with you again next week. Be sent out to, to be able to be that bold witness while not being bigoted so that people far from God will be brought near to him. And so that more hearts and more eyes would have their eyes open to have who God is, what he's done, and how much he loves them. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. Have a wonderful week. God bless you all, and we'll see you next Sunday.